Hello and welcome to another edition of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, it was a rather slow week in the world of wrestling because all of WWE's stuff was taped, TNA's taped for the rest of the year, so we're on the slowest build ever to Survivor Series. Yet I have some news, I have a ton of news really and truly. Well go ahead. All right. Election 2016. First off, we have a WWE Hall of Famer in the White House. Mr. Fuji, congratulations. No. Celebrity wing (laughs) Hall of Famer. Drew Carey. I wish. (laughs) No, actually, we have Donald J. I think his name is J. Yes, that's correct. DJT. Like TJ Perkins. TJP. TJ, yeah. And DJT. Yes. Donald Trump is our president of the United States. Well, not yet. He's Will the president-elect. President-elect yes. of the United States. We uh, WWE was told, everybody in in contact or that works for WWE was told uh, to make no comments about the election. However, tweeted out the night of the election was Linda McMahon at the Trump party backstage with him as well. It was a picture of her saying she was happy and excited to have been a part of this. And apparently, this is coming from the Inquisitor, Inquisitor.com. Apparently, rumor is she's going to be part of his cabinet, that they have talked about it. It's not set in stone yet, but the conversation has come up. Also, it is said that her and Vince donated $5 million to the Trump Foundation, and then six million dollars to his campaign. Yeah, that's correct. Yes, so he's one of the few people Donald Trump actually follows on Twitter. Yes, Vince McMahon, one of the few. So, so very strange that a WWE Hall of Famer will be the president. I'm not sure that will ever happen again in our lifetimes. Jesse Ventura, maybe, maybe one day. He's not in the he's not in the Hall of Fame yet. What? No, I think he, he is. is. He is a Hall. He of went Famer. in 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 '03. So yeah. Yes, that's correct. He he did go into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, 2004. Okay. Man, that was a big class in That was a big class. It had Heenan, Bobby Heenan, Sergeant Slaughter. Tito Santana, Superstar Billy Graham, Junkyard Dog. Yeah. Harley Race, Greg the Hammer Valentine, Don Morocco, and Big John Studd. Yes. Because that was the first year they had brought it back since 1996. So Right, and that was the first year they put it out on DVD separate. They actually started putting out the th- the whole ceremony on DVD for sale. Who knew what a big so. thing that would turn into? Huh? Yeah, now it's the the hottest part of the of WrestleMania weekend. So, and it's shown live on the network, one of their centerpieces. Right. Also, now that that is so, apparently Linda McMahon is open to the idea and has spoken about being part of the cabinet for President-elect Donald Trump. Rhino was elected. As no, he lost. He lost. Got some bad news for Rhino's political career. He lost. Wow. Yes, he was running as a Republican in a heavily a heavily Democratic district, so his his chances from the beginning weren't that good. Well, the, he knew it was a long shot. Well, the Inquisitor was wrong. Oh well, sorry, Inquisitor, <laughs> about Rhino, but apparently, yeah, well, Rhino lost. It's okay because he still has the tag team belts, you know. That's true. I was wondering what was going to happen if he won because he has to, he would have to drop the belts. He has to quit his job. I think they had asked him what he would do, and I think he was going to still try and wrestle some too. So, can you hold a political office and still hold down another job? 
I didn't think you could. He was running for like the state house in in Michigan or okay. somewhere. Um, yeah, that's a good question. It's probably never happened before. Right. So who knows? Well, that was one of the reasons why Lawler, when he ran for mayor, started freaking out because he was going to actually have to quit WWE at the time to actually be mayor of Memphis. So. Well, he was going to he was he was going to try and rearrange his work week was his explanation for how he could keep being an announcer for the WWE. He was thinking, you know, why do I have to have Saturdays and Sundays off? I'll just make Mondays, Sundays and Mondays my days off and then work a regular 5-day week and do WWE for the two off days that the mayor usually gets. Yeah. So, there was a way that he was going to continue because being mayor, you know, be, all these political offices have a lot of downtime, you know. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. So you could easily do something on the side. That's all I've got politically-wise. However, now, uh, let's go on. We watched UFC 205 last night. Oh, yes. The delving into the world of real combat sports. Hey, WWE's real, too. It's real in a different way. Pro wrestling is real. Absolutely. Take, ne- it, take it from me. I will never, never break. Kayfabe. I will never steer you wrong. Take it from me. And I thought it was an amazing uh, card. It was probably the best top to bottom UFC pay per view I've ever seen. We were up till three a.m. this morning actually watching it. It uh, other than the main event, they all pretty much went the distance. So they were all either three rounds complete fights or well, okay. This opens up the uh, first question. Cupcake said she was retiring. Misha Tate, yes. Misha Tate, Cupcake. She says she's retiring. And rumors have already started about, is she going to WWE? So is mm. is it looking like WWE is going to start becoming the the WCW of UFC, nah. basically? The promised land of, or when you're done with UFC, you can go to go to WWE or TNA? Yeah, uh, TNA is not going to be around much longer. We know that. But Superstars like Misha Tate and Ronda Rousey, I'm not sure how quickly they will end up there. They may end up there one day, but I think that for them, when they get out of the business, they're going to want to have kids and get into family. And once they do that, I'm not sure that they're ever going to want to head to well be a pro wrestler. My next one, you brought it up actually, uh, TMZ caught up with Stephanie McMahon this week. And TMZ.com actually had Stephanie McMahon saying she wants to sign Ronda Rousey to a WWE contract. Well, they'd have to back up the Brinks truck full of money because I don't see how... and. Uh, She's, and they're going to have to give her the Brock Lesnar deal because she's not going to want to do house shows. You no, know, she's not going to want to no. travel around. She's she's freaking Ronda Rousey, dude. She doesn't have to do house shows and all that. But uh, I think that actually will happen. It's inevitable because there's already uh, Matthew Riddle, who was on a season of The Ultimate Fighter. He's already working his way through the independent circuit. There's another. There's a woman, Shayna Baszler or Baszler. Who was actually considered one of the before the four horsewomen of NXT? There were four horsewomen of MMA fighting, right. and she was one of the original ones. And now she is in pro wrestling, and she's working her way through the independent circuit. And so I'm not sure you're ever going to see the top stars. I'm not sure you're ever going to see Conor McGregor say, "I would like to be a you know a pro wrestler now." Yeah. But definitely other ones. I think your best bet is. Top star wise is Ronda Rousey. I, I mean, just don't. She got. I mean, she even reached out and got the got permission from Roddy Piper to use the name Rowdy. I know, Ronda and Rousey. she did the so, thing I mean, at WrestleMania two years ago. But. Right. So, I think I I think it's going to happen. 
here's the problem you run into with bringing in a Ronda Rousey is because how are you going to make it's the same problem that they ran into when China was a wrestler. Oh, she's going to run through the entire women's division. But that's the believability. You'll have to put her in there with a man. But they don't want that to happen anymore. They don't anymore. want that to happen anymore. So, but, I, I mean... I, I just don't know what you do. Stephanie, in that little excerpt, Stephanie said she would like to get get her back in the ring and us see Stephanie McMahon versus Ronda Rousey. I mean, is... And we know the outcome of that. Just for a moment, can you imagine Bailey taking on, you know, no. Ronda Rousey? Can you imagine Charlotte or Sasha Banks, who weighs 70 pounds, taking on Ronda Rousey? Yeah. I mean, no. she can't even go through a table. And yeah. now you're going to bring in the most dangerous woman on the planet. And you could do like Brock and have her be just a beast and just go in Goldberg, you know, go in there and just squash people. But that's only a couple of years. You only ride that for a couple of years. And then what? You have Nia Jax beat her? Give me a fucking break. Yeah. So I, I don't see how they could make it work in that way. Now, if they brought her on... When Renee Young eventually gets her ESPN deal and moves on from the company, I could see Ronda Rousey in that role as a interviewer as, because she loves pro wrestling. Right. But as a performer, a full-time performer, that's just I just don't know what you do with that. That would be kind of funny though seeing the announcer or the interviewer can actually kick the wrestler's ass. It's hard to, I mean, that's hard to even buy, even like like we said with me, it's hard to buy when, when I'm 6'3, 220. It's hard to. Yeah, you couldn't have, you, you can't have her wrestling and you can't have her interviewing <laughs> Sasha Banks because you'd be like, you know, well, that's who should be, that she should yeah. have the belt. Yeah, you can't have a, a referee bigger than the wrestlers. You can't have a, an interviewer be more badass than. Than the wrestler, so I mean, it's kind of. I real. I think the only the only thing is her stepping in the ring. Now, I'm sure Stephanie McMahon is willing to back up any type of money needed to pull this off, even if it's a one time thing. As a one time thing, that'd be fine. But like I say, this is a, an idea that on paper, when you first pass this idea off, you say that's a great idea, but then you get it and you're like, I- I'm not sure I know what to do with this now. Right. So. It's interesting. It's it's an interesting conversation, but we'll we'll see if it ever happens. Brett, she has one more fight in December. Now, if she loses that fight in December, then then the conversations will, will really pick up. Yeah. But if she wins the fight, she I think she's going to continue on for a couple more fights at least. Right. Brett the Hitman Hart received the Bob Evans Award in uh, for this year's. He was the 2016 recipient of the Bob Evans Award. Which is apparently the highest honor that a Canadian can get. Oh, like a Canadian, not probably a non-military Canadian. It's a, it's a humanitarian award. It's uh, it's put out to help people, teach people with uh, you know, not to be illiterate, not to that. It's it's a, it's put out as a as a humanitarian. Basically, that's the best way to put it. It's a humanitarian award. From what, did what I was able to figure out. What did Mister Hart win it for? What? Just for. For being able to outspoken, stand standing up for for what he believes in, for you know not being afraid to say, wait a minute, this isn't right, or this is okay. This so. is the Bob Edwards Award. Oh, Edwards, sorry, not Evans, sorry, Bob Edwards Award. It it recognizes provocative individuals who are not afraid to speak their minds. Well, Hitman Hart always told you like it was, huh? From I mean, and from what research I found out, it's it's. 
the same as a humanitarian award, and it's the one of the highest honors a Canadian can get. Yeah, good for Brett. So he got it this year or this week. So congratulations to Brett the Hitman Hart. But then I heard at the awards ceremony that 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 Hulk Hogan actually came in and then stole the stole award. the light. Yeah, I mean, I stole at the, the spotlight. very last second. Hogan likes to do that. He likes to steal the spotlight, especially just like WrestleMania Nine all over again. Yeah, well, that's that's what I was going for. Is yeah, someone threw some dust in Brett's eyes, and then next all, thing you know, all Hulk hell Hogan. broke loose. Hulk Hogan comes in. So ESPN is going to be doing a documentary about the XFL. Oh, I'm excited about this. <laughs> now, I love the XFL because... I, I thought it was a brilliant idea, really and truly. No rules football. That's awesome. Well, but it had rules. That was the problem with it. It had rules, and it was just really bad football on the field. But it had, I think, you know, yeah, the idea has some potential. Yeah. Especially in that time, before, you know, head trauma was such a, you know, a concern once... CTE didn't, you know, wasn't, it existed, of course, but right. it wasn't so much in the public domain. So where you promote like a more violent version of football, right. oh, these people go nuts for that. Yeah. So, and also, I love football. Like I, I I'm not a bit, I don't, I don't really enjoy college football that much, but I like the NFL and it is, I think I speak for a lot of NFL fans that when the season is over, it's a little depressing because yeah. it feels like it's only... They only play 16 games in a season, then the playoffs is the playoffs are like 4 or 5 weeks and then it's over. Yeah. So all together you're talking about 20 weeks of football and then it's just gone. And here's and he debuted it like a week after the Super Bowl aired. Yeah. So we were close Patrick to all year round football. Yeah. Not only that, he put these teams in. He was the first now there's the Los Angeles Rams. Well, he was 16 years ahead of his time when he put a team in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. He put a team in Birmingham. He put teams in places well, Orlando. Yeah. Places that don't have representation in the National football, football League. Yeah. And also it, it gives just like we talk about, we don't want other wrestling companies to go out of business because then the guys can't find jobs. NFL players that get cut that are left on the scrap heap, they could go to the XFL. Tommy Maddox ended up with a Super Bowl ring yeah. a few years later. He was a backup by then, but he was a star for the Steelers after that. And yeah. only because they saw him in the XFL. So, you know, it's easy for sports writers and sports players to knock the XFL. But when they find themselves out of a job, I bet they'll be wishing that there was an XFL to go to. I still think it's a great idea and they should actually bring back the XFL. Well, Vince Vince had a chance to continue the XFL after NBC pulled out, but it was going to cost SmackDown 30 minutes and Vince said, no, I'm not doing that. What they wanted to do was continue on with the, the UPN being the primary shower of XFL games, but they said they came back to Vince and said, yeah, we'll do it, but you're going to have to cut SmackDown by 30 minutes because they wanted that as a lead-in to whatever program they were showing, and he said no. So he had an opportunity to continue it, but I think it was such a bad, bad experiment that I don't see Vince ever, especially because he had failed with the bodybuilding federation before right. and then failed with the XFL, failed with the restaurant. He had a chance to buy UFC, Patrick. It sold for $4 billion earlier this year. Yeah. This guy's just, I think he's, other than pro wrestling, which, thank goodness, he's really into pro wrestling. Yeah. And his tape library and everything, that's his primary business. And he's outside of this WWE Studios garbage that they keep losing money on every year for these direct-to-DVD films, which... They've sent actually some to theaters, though. Yeah, they have. A few have actually made it a good run in theaters. Right. Some of them have made it to theaters, but for the yeah. most part, this for is a, mo- part, a money-losing operation. Yeah. But 
outside of these two core businesses, I just think that he's not. I hate to say this, but until when he passes away, Stephanie or you know Hunter or whoever's in charge of the company, then we'll see if they get back into other ventures. But it seems like for the foreseeable future, I, I don't think Vince is gonna dabble in anything else. Again. Right. Right. And what do you think about this XFL documentary? I'm excited. I'm curious as to see what it's going to turn out to be. I think if the interest is there and the numbers are there when it's viewed, when it airs, I mean, um, how many viewers or whatever, I think it might actually make a point, hey, there's some interest here. Why not we try it out again? I. The only thing I think that will come of this, well, number one, the irony in this is that ESPN is going to do this documentary. Part of the reason the league failed is because ESPN wouldn't report their sport. Their right. ESPN didn't take it seriously and cover it as, cover their scores, mention the games, totally neglected them. And here we are. ESPN the last couple of years has not had good financial years. Now they've gotten into business with the WWE, and now here they are. They're making money all over again. And now they're making an XFL documentary. So yeah. it's... It comes full circle. We well, say it here all the time, but I keep hearing about a. Uh, I would like to put those old games on the network. I think that's that the only, would be that would be money right there. I think. Well, I don't think there's any money in it, but just for n- nostalgic purposes, to be able to turn on and just even just just hear the commentary to think that you know yeah. Jr. and the King call a football game. Yeah, this happened. This is like it's just crazy that those things happened. But. Yeah. Um, I keep hearing they're going to do one uh, 30, 30 to docu- uh, 30 for 30 on uh, Ric Flair. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I've heard that for a while, but... I keep hearing it, but then uh, it I never find out an air date. So, yeah. So, apparently ESPN is kind of jumping on the on the bandwagon of... of and, and I think if ESPN's like, hey, we'll carry all the football games, Vince might actually throw the money that way again. I, I highly doubt it, but... I'd, I'd be interested in finding out more about it. And last, but certainly not least, this week was the 20-year mark of The Rock. Really? This this week, Survivor Series 96 was the uh, was when The Rock made his debut. So this week was... The debut of Rocky Maivia. It's still The Rock. So 20 years of The Rock hit this week. What's your favorite Rock moment? Well, honestly, I think it doesn't hold up as well now when I go back... And watch it, but this is your life, Rock, with Mick Foley. That yes, was that was that was awesome. His reactions to to the clown and the coach and all that stuff are just really, really funny. He also, I guess, up there, I can't really think of a, another specific example. He's done so much great stuff for whatever. So, what is your favorite uh, Rock non-match? Not a non-match. Match. My favorite Rock moment is uh, the uh, Royal Rumble 2000. When he's impersonating all the people he's going to be throwing over the top rope. Okay, yeah. Uh, uh, that's just, that's money, man. That's that's five to six minutes of gold that just shows you how well he is as communicating, uh, how well he is is why he was able to transfer over into movies later on, a few years later down the road, into making films and, uh, and his acting ability. It, that's just solid gold and it's funny as hell yeah that's sim- similar to a, a thing that he did a couple times where he would forget his own catchphrase and then start mimicking the other wrestlers catchphrase right and yeah he would say like Bret Hart's best there he'd be like that's damn sure not it or whatever like yeah. just going through his mind so yeah I'll uh I'll find the I'll find these two clips and I will put them in as our favorite rock moments as how you doing honey 
You remember uh, every Saturday night back in high school how you and The Rock used to sit on your parents' couch? Uh-oh. And The Rock used to put his arm around you and we used to kiss a little bit. A lot of... <laughs> Tonso hockey. <laughs> we used up. to kiss a little bit. A lot of tongue. You used to love The Rock's tongue, didn't you? <laughs> Remember how you used to nibble on the rock's ear, like on the rock's neck? And you would whisper to the rock? You used to whisper to the rock, Hey, rock, go for it. Go for no! second base. Oh, 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 second base. He looks like a ball Remember player. That? And as the rock put his hand ever so gently on your knee, slid his hand up inch by inch. Oh, boy. Rock's whole high school girlfriend here on This Is Your Life. Thanks and what did you bowling. do? You cut the rock off on second base. Uh-oh. You ever get picked off on second, King? <laughs> but the rock's not the type of guy to hold a grudge. You see, you stand now before the rock, looking at the rock, gawking at the rock. Wanting to go one-on-one on one with the great one. She'd like it. And now in front of all the Rocks fans, you want to serve the Rock a great big piece of that <laughs> pie? She'd be willing to serve it to me. <laughs> Piping hot. Homemade. That's no secret. The Rock, he loves pie, but The Rock just has one thing to say to you. <laughs> You're gone out of here. Oh. I can't believe it. Rock. Tonight, you and 29 other guys are going to go into that match. Finally, The Rock has come back to New York City. Rock, tonight, you and 29 other superstars will be in that ring for the Royal Rumble match, and you have a bullseye on your chest. Is there any superstar who you may be concerned with? Well, The Rock says this, there are two WWF superstars who The Rock has a concern with. There are two who might give The Rock problems. Number one is going to be Crash Holly. Number two is going to be Headbanger Mosh. And The Rock says if he could get by those two, then he might have a shot at winning the Royal Rumble. Uh, Rock, with, uh, with all due respect, Shouldn't you be a little more concerned with, say, the Big Show? Well, The Rock says this. You should be concerned with fixing yourself a nice tall glass of shut up juice. <laughs> Fix it. The Rock says this. Big Show, do you actually think that you're going to win the Royal Rumble? Do you actually think that you're going to take the great one and throw him over the top rope? Do you actually think that you're going on to WrestleMania and becoming the WWF champion? Well, The Rock says this. He wipes a monkey's ass with what you think. Yeah. 
Big Show, The Rock says this. He's gonna go out there in the middle of the people's ring, Royal Rumble. The Rock's music is gonna hit. If you smell, and 20,000 Rock fans all stand on their feet, goosebumps on their arm, electricity going through their body. The Rock says this, as God, as The Rock's witness, he hopes, he prays that you, Big Show, and The Rock are the last two in the ring. So The Rock thinks, no, he knows, no. The Rock guarantees to win the Royal Rumble right here in New York City. Man, that is a huge guarantee, King. Wow. They smell what The Rock's cooking out there. And The Rock says this, Big Show, just as sure as The Rock is without a shadow of a doubt, the best there ever was, The Rock says, as sure as The Rock has the Brahma Bull tattooed on his arm, is as sure as The Rock is going to WrestleMania and becoming without a shadow of a doubt the best damn WWF champion there ever was. If you smell what The Rock is cooking. Who knew that little, well little, that, that giant Samoan man with the funny hair and his fanny pack. Rocky Maivia. Would one day be he's Hollywood's top grossing star. Yeah, he's a household name today. You mentioned The Rock or Dwayne Johnson, and there's not a single person that doesn't know who he is. And he's a really nice guy, too. No, he is. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. So, uh, But yeah, so we hit the 20-year mark on The Rock this wow. week. Wow. That makes me feel super old. <laughs> Doesn't it, though? Yes. <laughs> so, all right, man. What do you have any news for us? Anything? Oh, I just wanted to again reiterate that I won't be watching Survivor Series. Oh, you're watching it with me. Don't I'm lie. not watching it. I don't want to see that. I don't. Next week we will be air- we will be recording this early so that we can both watch no, Survivor I'm Series. No, I'm not going to watch Survivor Series. I'm afraid. Um, have no interest in it. Have no interest in it. Uh, I'll watch the. I'll watch the one. Go- I'll watch Goldberg and Lesnar, and then I, that's all I will. That's all I want to watch. I gave them the benefit of the doubt for weeks. Uh, for weeks. And weeks to say these matches are going to mean something. These five-on-five eliminations, or in a tag team case, you have ten people. So a ten-on-ten. I guess one person gets eliminated and the team's gone, but twenty people in one match for nothing. Uh, the, each one will go a good thirty minutes. Each elimination match will go a good thirty minutes. <sighs> I can't do it, Patrick. I'm sorry. Uh, well, it's four hours this year. I know. See, we called it too. We called it before they even announced it. It, it would be four hours. So that just I, that won't be happening. I wish you the best of luck. I wish anyone watching it the best of luck. Who is your pick, Lesnar or Goldberg? Oh, that's right. This is we have to make our picks this yeah. week. I, that's what I'm trying to tell you, brother. Sorry, it's, I it's forgot next, that this is it. It's next Sunday. This so really snuck up on us. Even we though have to, we're, I'm telling you, we're either gonna have to. We're going to have to do this early Sunday or earlier on Sunday or something, man. We're going to have to figure this whole thing out. No, I'm not. I don't want to. No, I'm not going to see that. You're going to watch it, don't No, lie. I don't want to. <laughs> as far as those five-on-five matches, predictions, um, don't know. Don't care. Doesn't matter. Whatever. Really, the only prediction is Brock and Goldberg. Generic pick between all the five-on-five matches. Smackdown Which brand, Raw. yeah. SmackDown or Raw? Okay, what's what's our match? What's our matches we got to pick from? We'll go that yeah, way. We'll, we'll run down this pay per view very quickly, hopefully. Very quickly. Yes, I don't want to 
harp on it. Well, first, there is a cruiserweight championship match. Oh, this is what you talked about. Kalisto and Brian Kendrick. This was announced this week. What yeah. a bad week to announce this match when no one's watching yeah. wrestling. Kalisto will take Brian Kendrick. If Kalisto wins the cruiserweight and the division, not just the championship, but the entire division will go to SmackDown, well, then I would prepare for a Kalisto win because they're taping 205 Live after SmackDown. Yeah. It would be cruel to make these wrestlers fly across the country in one day to be on both shows. So what's your prediction there? Kendrick. Kendrick to retain. Kendrick will retain. That's stupid. I know it's stupid. You know it makes no sense, but... That's exactly why they'll do it. They're going to ride Kendrick with the uh, with the Cruiserweight title, because right now, man, he's hot. I don't know how hot he or the Cruiserweight division really... I. Well, I mean, there's interest there. Interest? Little. But there is. It's like saying someone's, you look at their little heart monitor and there's just a tiny little blurb. They're there. They are it's there. It's there. It is there. Oh, boy. So, <laughs> yeah, I even though Kalisto should win, so these people can all be on the same show, yeah, Brian Kendrick's definitely going to hold on to it. That's what I think, too. They, they are just handing their belts back and forth yep. all over the place. So th- let's give it a rest, guys. Let's yep. let someone retain once. Then we have the 10-on-10 tag team elimination match. Team Raw, The New Day, Sheamus and Cesaro, Gallows and Anderson, Enzo and Cass, and the Shining Stars will take on Team SmackDown, Heath Slater and Rhino, the Hype Bros, American Alpha, the Usos, and Febreze. Tyler Breeze and Fandango. Who would you pick here? I got Raw. Team I all those Team Raw tag teams except the Shining Stars are legitimate good tag like they're yeah. over. So right. yeah, I would pick Team Raw here for the tag teams. Then we go to the women, which is Team Raw Charlotte. Team Raw is Charlotte, Bailey, Nia Jax, Alicia Fox, and Sasha Banks with Dana Brooke at ringside versus Team SmackDown, Nikki Bella, Becky Lynch, Alexa Bliss, Carmella, and Naomi with Natalia ringside. Who do you have here? SmackDown. I think I agree. Team SmackDown should win the women's match. And the men's five-on-five match, Team Raw, Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho, Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, and Seth Rollins will take on Team SmackDown, AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose, Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton, and Shane McMahon with Luke Harper and James Ellsworth ringside. Who and what and why in this match? Which one? Which brand would you lean? I got SmackDown. I think I'm going to have to have Team Raw win. So we're splitting on that one. Okay. Well, we're going to split. For what reason? I don't know. It just seems like they've always put Raw first, and they have to. Right. It's the flagship. Right. Even though I hate that they call it that. Now, I'm calling it that. Ugh. It's icky that... Flagship. That uh, Yeah, that I'm using their terminology now. Flagship programming. So now I... They've always put SmackDown as the B show. So... They're, and they're riding this thing with, with Shane right now. So uh, I think they're going to give give SmackDown the, the serious push. I think Raw wins. But as I said before, I don't know... Why? And I don't really care. And finally, the only match that I will be watching on Sunday night, it's Brock Lesnar. It'll be the first match of the night. <laughs> Based on where they put the main events now, yes, this will be on the Mountain Dew kickoff show. <laughs> Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman will take on Goldberg. Well, Brock should destroy this guy in I got seconds. I got Bill. I'm going with Bill. Oh, just your hatred for Brock coming through. You're, hate, you're going with your heart, not I your head. I hate Brock. I cannot stand that man. If he was in here right now, I would still tell him how much I hate him to his face. It's funny that you pick Goldberg because he's featured 
in this week's review, Starcade 97. My he, pick, yeah. He was featured last week for his big crowning moment, his one WCW title win. We had our, yeah, it was the biggest Nitro in WCW history. And now we're going to the biggest pay-per-view in WCW history. That's right. It's so. December 28th, 1997. We're at the MCI Center in Washington, D.C. in front of 17,500 people. And on television, this is WCW's biggest buy rate ever. And in the top 15 of all time to this day, with 650,000 people. People spending their hard-earned cash to see Sting, 18 months off, to see Sting finally return to the ring. Yeah. And put the NWO out of business once and for all. We, I mean, we were seeing, this was a good undercard too. It wasn't just that, but it was a, uh, it was a, I mean, it was, it was all about seeing Sting and Hogan. So, uh, but. Card subject to change, Patrick. I think that is the theme for this pay-per-view because. we got robbed on one match. Not just one. Three. Three, really? Well, one we got a bonus, I'll say. And then two others, I'd say we got robbed. Yeah. So the pay-per-view opens with the promo showing, this is a very famous promo now, WWE, anytime they mention Sting, they rerun this. Yeah. The scene of him through like a wasteland, apocalyptic place. It's rain. It's a rundown. In, the apo- in this apocalypse, it rains, even though in Chattanooga, it hasn't rained for months now. <laughs> right. But... In Sting's, we are we are in in Hulk Hogan's saying, hell. They are telling everybody in Chattanooga, stay indoors for your own safety. Do not breathe air quality. It is that bad because of no rain and so much fires. We are we are taking our own lives into our own hands to bring retro wrestling podcasts to our fans like we do every single week. But we shouldn't be scared, Patrick. We should be scared of rain because that's what in Hulk Ho- in Hollywood Hogan land that Sting is walking through here. Yeah. All it does is rain. It just pours. And it, the sun never shines. You see Sting walking through broken glass and looking at rocks and what does he see, Patrick? He only sees that damn Hollywood Hogan. That popping eight, up everywhere. That 8 by 10 of Hogan and then you got Hogan in his face and mirrors and yeah. everything else. So. Sting gets his wet hair and he flicks his hair back. It looks like a shampoo commercial. <laughs> and then, oh, the ultimate insult to Hogan. He steps on that 8x10. Yeah. I'll show you. Step on your picture Ste- when you're not even here to see it. Steps on it, bends down, grabs that that baseball bat. He's witnessed the ruin of an empire, Patrick. Yeah. WCW has fallen in the last 18 months. He grabs his baseball bat. Now he seeks the ruin of a man. We zoom into Sting's eye. The camera zooms all the way into Sting's eye. And then we get the Starcade 1997 logo. Tony says this is the grandest night ever. And for once, he is not lying. Because Tony would say this about every show ever. Right. But for once, this is accurate. This is the grandest night. Starcade is WrestleMania for WCW. And this one... In particular, this one was the number one of all time for WCW. So it never got anywhere close to this again. No. For the call tonight, we have Dusty, Tony, and Mike Tanay. Which here's our first robbery of the night. No Bobby Heenan at all. Right. He not even not swap out. We at all. I think he. Since it's December 28th, I imagine he doesn't work from Christmas to New Year's. That could have been That's in his contract. That's probably in his contract, yeah. yeah. What a robbery, Patrick, because he hates Hulk Hogan. 
Right. And if he could have seen what happens later on in the evening, I would have loved to have heard his call. That's true. One of the best things about that Nitro we watched last week was his call when Goldberg beats Hogan. Yeah, he counted from the spear. I mean, he took over. And... From the spear to the to the three count, he, he phoned over. it in for the most part in WCW. But when Hogan was involved, he always turned it on because he detests Hulk Hogan. And well, he and, knew. Uh, I love to watch Bobby Heenan's uh, shoot interview because he knew he he knew Hogan was money, and if he could ride Hogan's coattails, just like he did going into WrestleMania three, he would make bank every time. And so, and he believed that all the way through his career, and even now. So we go to the commentators, and Tony Schiavone mentions there's already controversy about the referee of all things, Patrick, for the main event. Yes. This is your world. The yes. we had Typically, crooked, you get your match assignment at the start of the night. We had the crooked Nick Patrick, who was going for, w, or going for NWO. Earlier that year. Earlier that year. And in 96 as well. And so uh, you couldn't really trust him with this big of a match. But yet, for some reason, Patrick... Well, no. Now, there was a drawing out of a hat. I understand that. And luckily, the draw, it just happened to be him. However... <laughs> but let's talk, let's talk about this for a second. Okay. I know that you're corrupt, right? I know. I am J.J. Dillon. Okay. I know that you have been bought and sold by the NWO. Okay. I'm taking your name out of the hat before we draw out of the hat. It's not fair. What do you mean that's not fair? It's not fair. He can work another match on the show. Just like, you know, when you're getting ready to do um, war games, there's a coin toss as to who, who, which team goes in first. Now, just because it's the heels doesn't mean anything. There was still a coin toss. It was a 50-50 chance. Or how about the fact that they still employ this man after he turned his back (laughs) on the company? Right. No, you're Could right. Could you ever just show up to your job and your chief, com- you know, wear your chief competitor's shirt? Like, yeah. I don't know if I walked in here with a different radio station shirt so, on. So you know? if I walked into to WWE wearing a TNA shirt, just, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and then and then expected you know to work your match that night. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. So anyway, here we go. W typical WCW, some bullshit right off the bat. I'm glad they get right to it, that they don't give you the impression that this is going to go well. Right off the bat. But then we also find out right after that, oh, by the way, Kevin Nash isn't here. Well, here's some other stupid shit that happened. We hadn't even got into the first match yet. Yeah, I know, I know. This before we mentioned that before Tony mentions that Kevin Nash isn't gonna be here, which by the way, he probably he only tells us. He doesn't tell the crowd yet. So they're no. not going to know until it's time for the match that he's right. not there. But we mentioned this about about Nitro and about the front row. What are your most important seats that you can sell for the most money around the ring? Yeah. Whatever. Ha- like Ringside we, we wondered why Raven's Flock didn't have seats on that episode of Nitro. Because we need to sell those seats. Right. Here we are. The biggest pay-per-view of all time. They're a WrestleMania. And in their front row... They have their own wrestlers, who Tony mentions they had to buy their own tickets to the show. Yeah. Harlem Heat, Sonny Ono, Disco Inferno, Hugh Morris. Bobby Eaton. Ultimo Dragon, Glacier, Rey Mysterio, who's wearing a mask. Mortis and and Rey Mysterio have to wear their masks the entire time. Ultimo Dragon was as well. Yeah. They all have tickets. Yeah. You let half your roster be audience members. Yeah. You had, I mean, in... For the biggest show. When you look back over the crowd, like I said, you saw Bobby Eaton, you saw uh, Glacier, you saw um, some of the undercard 
uh, Lucha Libre wrestlers. I mean, you saw a lot of them. So pretty much the entire locker room was getting to sit and watch the pay-per-view. <laughs> instead from, of working. From fans' seats instead of working, yeah. So we're denied, you know, a Rey Mysterio match instead yes. to have him to bench. He had, this is 97, Halloween Havoc 97. He had a five-star classic with Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. Just put him in the audience. Just sit him over there. Yeah. Because instead of him, we're going to get Eric Bischoff wrestling on this show. So Well, and you had you had James Van, uh, James Vandenberg right. uh, with Mortis. At yeah, the heels time and faces was, sitting together. At the, at the time was money for what WCW was pulling off against Raven. You had the you had the flock versus James Vandenberg and Mortis. Then you had Glacier thrown in the mix. They're too. just all sitting together. That was all a feud that was you know really heated. And then yeah, you've got them all sitting literally side by side together throughout the whole pay per view. Good call, yeah. good call, Booker man. Tony says that Kevin Nash is not going to be here. Well, bait and switch then, because I wanted the battle of the giants. That was the main. I mean, not one of the, the. That was other than Sting and Hogan. That was your your semi main. That was your big match. This was, I think, the retribution for him breaking Giant's neck. I believe is that is that what this was the lead in, or was that later on? This is when they finally had the match. See, they hadn't had the match yet, and it was. Oh no, he broke his neck in the. Okay, so they hadn't had a match. They yet. hadn't had the match yet, and they, oh, okay. and, they, and when they finally did have the match is when he broke Giant's neck because he couldn't. Pick his ass up for the power bomb. Yeah. You should post that video on our on our stream. I think most people have seen. I don't know, man. That's that's an ugly. That's ugly right there. But usually, when commentators tell you a wrestler's not going to be there, they still show up. So at home, you're thinking, "Yeah, yeah, Tony, he's not here. He's going to pull up in a limo. It's going to be fine. It's going to be the same WCW BS that they've always done." So anyway, it's time to start the evening. Dean Malenko is out. He was the number one wrestler in the PWI 500 in 1997. He was number one. So here's your wow. Roman Reigns. Wow. Is jerking the curtain. <laughs> Damn. Then Eddie Guerrero's music First hit. of all, let's wait a minute. Let's actually, that's a significant. That's a really big feat. Let's talk oh, about that Oh, people were for a furious. That's, they were more furious than Roman Reigns being. I mean, because you've got guys like Hogan. You had Goldberg. Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels. Austin, 97 was a big year for pro wrestling. And for Dean Malenko to be number one, that is huge. <laughs> it's nuts, yeah. That is, wow. I did not realize that. But that's probably why he was number one is because PWI didn't want to be, get too political with well, hey, the two. Dean Malenko, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Dean Malenko is money. He can wrestle a broomstick and put on a five-star match. Tonight he didn't put his work tonight boots on. Tonight he didn't put, yeah, tonight's a different story. But I'm just saying. So Eddie Guerrero's music hits. And by the way, he can't carry a title belt either. Here's another guy throwing the uh, belt over the shoulder, doesn't care about this belt whatsoever. Pretty awesome. We're going to get Eddie and Malenko right off the bat. Eddie on the way to the ring stares down, we mentioned him last week, TV champ Disco Inferno, who's also got a ticket to this event. They have a stare down, so... Who in the hell gave Gil, Gil, Glenn Gilberti a ticket? Charles Robinson is the ref for this match. Little Nate. But Tony wonders who's refing Sting and Hogan. He already told us there's going to be a drawing. We get Eddie Sucks Chance. He's getting some heat here. Eddie grabs Dean's hand and tries a springboard Hurricane Rana off the ring ropes, but Dean counters it into a nasty powerbomb. He covers him and he gets a two count. Then he lifts Eddie up off the mat and smashes him down with one of the most vicious Alabama slams I've ever seen. 
his head bounce like a basketball. It was sick. It was. Dean covers and gets a two count for that. Then they reverse each other's pinning attempts. Eddie runs out of the ring. Tony is not paying any attention to calling this match. He's just talking about the ref for the main event and wondering where Kevin Nash is. That's yep. what he's concerned with. Malenko front suplexes Eddie onto the ropes and then covers for a two count. The match really slows down here because Dean just cannot go Eddie's pace in this match. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, here it is. You're number one for PWI that year. And just like always, just like they did for every Cruiserweight, other than Mike Tanay, no one gave a shit. No one gave a shit about the Cruiserweights or even calling their matches. Yeah. So Dusty was completely silent for this match. Oh, yeah. Didn't call a single single move. Uh, we get a belly-to-back on Eddie Guerrero for two. Then Eddie snaps Dean's head over the ropes. Eddie drags Dean out of the ring after he snaps his head over the ropes. And now he's going to work the leg of Malenko. But for what reason, Eddie doesn't have a move that... He wasn't doing the lasso from El Paso. Set up for closer, the cloverleaf. No, Eddie's working the leg. Oh, Eddie's working the leg. Can you explain the psychology there? I don't know, bro. Get the big man off his feet, I guess. <laughs> he's not that big. I know, he's smaller than Eddie. <laughs> He sandwiches Dean's leg between the stairs and the turnbuckle on the outside and then drop kicks the stairs to injure the leg further. Eddie power bombs Dean in the ring for two. Then Dean hits a backbreaker. Eddie climbs to the top turnbuckle. There's an awkward struggle and they botch whatever they were trying for. They both just fall off the top turnbuckle. Dean hits a really nasty power bomb on Eddie Guerrero. Eddie missile drop kicks Dean's knee and then frog splashes just his knee. Winner and still champion Eddie Guerrero in 14 minutes, 57 seconds. All right, so now I said I was going to do this. I get a lot of fans that have listened to the radio show that I have made this known that I don't like Eddie Guerrero, never did like Eddie Guerrero. There's only one match of his I've ever enjoyed, and that was Halloween Havoc against Rey Mysterio. Fans still keep trying to convince me that Eddie Guerrero on Facebook all the time, Eddie Guerrero is this, Eddie Guerrero is that. Eddie Guerrero. Listen, Eddie Guerrero sucks. I don't like him. I never liked him. The man was stoned so much he couldn't wrestle a good match if he tried. No, I think you're overreacting. I think in this match he looked way better than Dean Malenko. I just I don't like him. And, and it showed in this match because this match was too slow for a cruiserweight match. Well, I thought that was Dean's fault, though, in this particular match. Dean seemed like he didn't care. See, and it came off to me like it was Dean trying to trying to, trying to, to do spots, and Eddie just didn't want to go with it. I don't know. This match just didn't come off right. It didn't. There was no chemistry. There was no click. Not like they've had in the past. They've had a million matches together, so it's, yeah. it's, it's crazy that here on the biggest stage... They have the shittiest one they've ever had. Yeah, and it took 1457, which that's a long time. I still this is a contender for match of the night, honestly though. That's bad. Yeah, right out of the gate. I don't know. Now later on we had a match that's pretty entertaining. Okay. We'll see which one you pick for Scott Hall comes out. He's not in his gear. He's not going to wrestle tonight either, no, Patrick. This is really just a search for who is working <laughs> the event. He's in a long-sleeve NWO shirt, the Outsiders shirt, and his blue jeans. The crowd does not seem to really care. He says, being in D.C. for the holidays is just too sweet. Then guess what? Hey, yo. Survey time. He's got to find out whether you're with us or against us. Survey says 
number one for the good guy. Scott Hall mentions that he is the number one contender. So whoever wins tonight, he he won war games or not war games. World uh, War Three. World War Three, I think that year. So yeah, he actually gets a title shot. Whoever it is. But on this pay-per-view match, give him the night off. Yeah, right. <laughs> Kevin Nash won't be here tonight. Boo, yeah, here we go. Bait and switch. And he says, Kev wanted me to tell you, if you have a problem, you can meet him. If you have a problem, you can meet him down down there. Down where? Right here. No, he says, you know where. Oh, you know where. He can't, he can't point to his dick. Yeah. Scott, Sol- uh, Scott Hall says, hey, Giant, you can say you won the match. But then Giant comes out and I guess was upset that he won the match by forfeit. Giant comes out and says he understands Nash's dilemma. He wouldn't want to wrestle him either. Right. So, no, he Giant doesn't want to wrestle Giant. Right. Is what he's trying. What I'm trying to say. But he says one day Nash, you'll be back, and we'll have to wrestle. Wishful thinking. I don't. Who knows if Nash will ever be back? Never will. Never. Never see him again. He called out for this show with an excuse that he was having heart problems. All he had was indigestion. Really? Yes, that's what, that was his excuse. Actually, I think the real problem was he was booked to lose to the Giant. And, and he was not doing And he that. got a case of heartburn at the last minute and uh, missed this. He, he's done this a few times, not just with this show, but other shows, because his family does have a history of heart problems. So anytime he wants out of something, heart problems, can't do it. So, yeah, that, that was Mr. Nash's excuse to miss. Imagine, uh, I don't know, it's, imagine Undertaker being advertised for WrestleMania, you know, not in a main event, but just yeah, a mid-card match against Bray Wyatt like a couple years ago. And he just, on the day of, just said, not feeling good. Yeah. I won't be there. Yeah. Nash hates wrestling and hates fans and hates it. He just likes money. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. No. But Scott Hall... Isn't going to wait for Giant to finish his promo. He throws the toothpick at Giant and then gets press slammed for his troubles. Giant teases uh, choke slamming Hall, but decides instead to power bomb him. Uh, Nash st- as an insult to Nash, but his power bomb doesn't look near as good as Nash's because no, it's he just picks a regular him up and power holds bomb. Him. Yeah, it's a regular power bomb. However, when he let him go, man, he let him go. <laughs> so then Giant leaves. Then Scott Norton and Virgil come out, or Vincent, come out, pick Hall up, and take him back. What a nice thing. The NWO Recovery Service. They take Scott Hall back to the back. Now it's time for an unannounced six-man tag. They turn around and come right back out. Yes, we get (laughs) Virgil, Scott Norton, and they announce Conan as their partner. However, Conan does not come out. That's right. And they are going to face Ted DiBiase with the Steiner Brothers and Ray Trailer. So it's a six-man tag, Ted DiBiase being the manager. And as they come out, you notice that Scott is transitioning into becoming Big Pop Pump here. Yes. And then we get the surprise third member of the NWO's team. Oh, it's just Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah. Teaming with Virgil. Yeah. This is one of the most recognizable faces yeah. in all of the industry ever. Yeah. In pop culture history. Right. And this is one of like three Virgil matches ever in WCW. This is a rare bird indeed yeah. to see a Virgil match, but not a... My goodness, Patrick. You put half your roster in, in the front row, and then Macho... You just... You said, hey, you got Macho mach- Man, you, you got- want to work tonight? Yeah. Go in that six-man tag. Yeah. This company well on its way going out of business. I would much rather have seen Macho in her next match against Goldberg. Just saying. 
I'd rather him lose to Goldberg instead of being a part of this match. Wow. That's, that's deep, man. That's, that's how bad I did not like the fact of him being a part of this match. However, this match had one of the most exciting moments of the night. Yes. So sorry, Conan, no payday for you. No. In a rare instance, an American takes a Mexican's job. Oh, but um bump I say the Steiner Brothers outfits... You know, you give them a lot of guff over their old 80s onesies that with their multiple colors. I give them shit over it. I'm not going to lie. But this white yeah. outfit that they had on for this show looked bad. Yeah. They looks out of place. It was it was white latex. With black little singlet, belts. With black rhinestone belts. Yeah, it was, it was bad. Scott Steiner is going to start with Macho Man, and they wait forever just to even lock up. Macho's no- working the crowd, man. Nobody does anything for a while until Scott shoulder blocks Macho, and then they slap each other. Then Macho chokes Scott Steiner and then tags in Virgil. Scott Norton makes his way in and hits a big backbreaker on Scott Steiner. He holds him for Macho to hit an axe handle smash on Steiner's back. Steiner hits a double underhook powerbomb onto Macho Man, and then a gorilla press slam, and then the ref loses control, and now everybody scatters, all the heels scatter, the NWO scatters out of the ring. Rick Steiner tags in, and then he's going to take on Scott Norton. Now the dog-faced grillman hits a couple of power slams on Norton, and then here comes Ray Trailer. Hitch your ride to this trailer. Uh, boss Man is shoved in the heels corner, and they triple-team him. Then Virgil is tagged in and gets a big Boss Man spine buster. Thank goodness. The faces take turns ragdolling Virgil around. The heels then beat up Ray Trailer. I wanted to say right here, at this point in time, we're, what, four minutes in? Yeah. Virgil was sucking wind so bad that he kept tagging out, and Norton and uh, Savage kept tagging him right back in. And, I mean, they just kept back and forth pushing for for him to spend some time in the ring. And because he hadn't been in the ring in so long... He was out of shape, and he was sucking wind bad. Here's, I'm sure, the spot that you're talking about coming up. So Rick Steiner gets the hot tag. The dog-faced gremlin cleans house. And then here we go, the spot of the match, spot of the night. Scott Steiner hits a spike DDT onto Virgil off of Rick Steiner's shoulders. (laughs) From the top rope. Covers him and only gets a two because Scott Norton breaks it up. From the top rope, hit a spike DDT. It was devastating looking. It looked so bad, I thought he was dead. I mean, <laughs> and this seriously. Is, this is like our third or fourth Steiner Brothers match in a row where I'm like, holy shit. These yeah. guys, every time, <laughs> they bring it, man. They are the most dangerous. They don't give a shit who they hurt or what they do, man. They get in there and they, they bring it. Yeah, no, you're right. Then Scott hits a top rope Frankensteiner. On Virgil and only gets a two because Macho breaks it up. So here we go. He hit his two big moves. No, match has to keep going because Macho hasn't hit his big move yet. Well, that's the one we came all to see. That, so. Yeah, since we didn't even know he's going to be here. Yeah. Scott goes to try a top rope Frankensteiner on Macho Man, but Norton breaks it up again. Nobody, nobody's caught on to Scott Norton breaking everything up. Norton hooks him up in the electric chair, right, and drops him. Drops him. Put him in. Puts him into perfect position. For which Savage, who was already on the top rope, yes, to hit the elbow drop. That's right, flying elbow from Macho Man, and Scott Steiner. If if you'd asked me, who do you think out of these six people is going to take the fall? I would have said Virgil and Ray Trailer. Those, yeah, those are the two guys. They're going to get pinned, but no, Steiner took the three. Scott Steiner loses to Macho Man. Yeah, in eleven oh six. So for a unannounced. 
thrown together match on the on the fly. I thought this was very very good. Yeah, it over delivered because Virgil was in it. Virgil was in a good match, Patrick. He didn't do anything good in it, but he this, was a part of it. This, I would love to say this was match of the night, but there was one that was just a little better. What? Uh, now, now I'm lost. Better. Now I'm lost. There was one a little better. I'm lost because I really, I actually think this might be my pick for match of the night. Really? This bullshit six-man tag. And I hate six-man <laughs> tags. Because I, know you, I really know you do because every time we end up having to watch one, you, you cuss it the whole time. Well, and they're tough... I apologize for my lack of play-by-play, but they're hard to call because they're yeah. constantly moving in and out. Right. They're not tagging. No right. one's paying attention. Right. Not only that, but in today's wrestling, they are, like we mentioned about the cruiserweight, cruiserweights on Raw every week, random yeah. six-man tag. Yeah. Oh, you don't have an idea for a main event? Six-man tag. Yeah. It's just the easiest booking decision today. And And... I mean, but I will give it credit. The fact that they threw Savage in this match made me interested in it because beforehand oh. I wasn't <laughs> oh. at all. I actually thought it had been a while since I watched Starcade 97, and when they said Conan's, you know, not coming out, I thought, oh, this is going to be like this is going to be like Crush's NWO debut or something, yeah. like some random like yeah. just stupid NWO member is going to debut and like, ugh, you know, but no, it was Macho Man. So yeah, yeah it got me interested. Because when I heard it and I was like, oh shit, yeah, hey Macho. And then, but, and. Coming uh, out with Elizabeth, which by the way, wouldn't that be awkward to work with your ex-wife? Yeah, I don't know I know that he that... brought, he got her the job in WCW, but I don't, I don't think that. That Macho Man was probably too thrilled to have to have her as his valet again. That's right. probably just too weird. Right. I think he was extremely excited when it hit 99 and he was able to get the... Uh, Gorgeous George. And the entourage, yeah. Uh, but that top rope DDT, man, that was brutal. Yeah, you'll never see that attempted that in WWE. Ugly. I don't see... Uh, that was... Oh, man. That I should really have ended he, the match. Yeah, I thought he was dead. Like, I'm not lying. He laid there and didn't move. Even well, after... that's how Virgil sells everything, though. So, <laughs> but I mean, so uh, yeah, no, it was it was ugly. We get a smash cut to Mean Gene, where I noticed that this thing, this pay per view's cut all to hell too, because there's something missing. Like it was too fast of a cut. Mm-hmm. So we go to Mean Gene. He's with JJ Dillon. JJ Dillon talks about Nitro being on the line later tonight. The show Nitro, we could possibly lose it to the NWO, Patrick. Yeah. What? Who cares? Like, I mean, <laughs> if this is the problem, like, just with the NWO's pay-per-view. Nitro is the flagship show. <laughs> All WCW guys have to go to Thunder now. Yeah, yeah. But just like uh, the problem with the NWO sold-out pay-per-view, they still have to wrestle WCW guys. So what difference does it make? That's true. Who You can call it whatever you want to. They're still going to wrestle the same people. But WCW wants the right to wrestle themselves. <laughs> That's what we're fighting for. It's really, truly. Like, That's what both factions you, are fighting for. When you really think about it, NWO wants to fight WCW. WCW wants to fight NWO. But really, truly, they just want to fight themselves. They're both, both of the goals of each faction is to take over and eliminate the other faction. So right. then they're going to have to turn on themselves. Right. So yeah, this this the war. It's not a matter of hey, can I trust you? But it's also a matter of when are you going to stab me in the back and either jump ship or yeah. Once we win and we're celebrating and we're high five and oh, we put WCW out of business. Well, I guess we're going to have to fight each other now. Yeah, it's just like being in the Royal Rumble when you're with your tag partner yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So it's logic. 
logic and wrestling don't go well together. So anyway... You can't overthink in wrestling. You're right about that. (laughs) J.J. Dillon decides that the best ref for tonight, after drawing for it in a random drawing, which we didn't get to see, we weren't privy to this... Name out of the hat was Mm. Nick Patrick. What are the odds of that? Listen, you know, I don't like it. But it was fair. It was done fair. Oh, yeah. It was done so, fairly behind closed doors. It was done fair. So we know. Or just like when Vince McMahon draws numbers for the Royal Rumble and every number is your number one and the big ball, you know, pit yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, that's just because somebody misprinted there. You know? Oh, of course. Wrestling of course. is not rigged J- at all. Fans, listen to me very carefully. Wrestling is not rigged. This is total coincidence. It's coincidental. J.J. Dillon mentions that, hey, since his reinstatement, he's been a great ref, Patrick. Nick Patrick, great ref. I don't, I've never heard those two words in the sentence before or after. So up next we have Goldberg, who comes out to his dubbed-over WWE theme, which is odd because we just watched his Nitro with his old theme in it. Well, I wonder why that was. So now they're just dubbing over their own music, basically, that we know that they can use. Just to have something and it to do. killed his entrance because oh, there's yeah. no there's no Goldberg chance. There's no you can't feel the energy from the crowd. He yeah. just walks out to his dubbed over theme. Oh, and by the way, Mongo walks out to a dubbed over theme song too because that version of the Horseman theme he came out to wasn't used until like 2000. He came out to like the most recent Horseman theme, the one with the with the horse. Yeah, with the clippity clap at the yeah, start of it. Yeah. So Mongo's theme is dubbed over too. And so that's very, it's just weird. By the way, just before we even get into this, this match sucked. Let's just clarify that right there. <laughs> right it here, felt right now. like it was 15 minutes, and this it was match, only like five minutes. This match was shit. <laughs> Goldberg isn't going to wait for Mongo to get to the ring. They start brawling in the aisleway. It's not a very face thing to do. He grabs Mongo. Hey, two football players. We mentioned how WCW loved football players. Here's the Atlanta Falcons versus the Chicago Bears with Goldberg and Mongo McMichael. And he picks him up, kicking and screaming over his shoulder and carries him. A grown man. Kicking and screaming, carries him to the ring and throws him in the ring. That's right. But then he gets a table. Now, Goldberg needs fucking plunder all of a sudden. Your beast, your indestructible beast, is now turned into Public Enemy, which they even mentioned. They even mentioned Public Enemy, yeah. Yeah, they're like, Goldberg's ripping off Public Enemy. Oh, good. Yeah. This guy's... This was... This was a bad match. This was a bad match. So he gets a table, and he leans it against the turnbuckle on the outside of the ring. Mongo gets a little bit of offense on Goldberg, kicks. A little bit. A sidewalk slam. (laughs) Then he hits a big flying shoulder block. Goldberg tries to slam Mongo's head on the propped-up table outside, but Mongo blocks him. Then they go back into the ring, and Mongo tries a top-rope axe handle and gets countered. Goldberg says into the camera... How do you like that, boy? I guess I like it fine. Goldberg then works that knee bar that he used to do on Mongo. Which was ugly. It it just looks like two guys laying with their legs crossed. Yeah, it looked disturbing. Goldberg hits a spear. Then he goes outside to get the table, and he sets it up on the outside. He tries to muscle Mongo over the ropes, face first into the table. This would have killed Mongo McMichael. <laughs> and he landed it. The ref, thankfully, Ref Patrick Young, you saved the day here because the yeah. ref stopped him from throwing him the wrong way into this table. 
So instead, he drop kicks Mongo out the side of the ring, and Mongo conveniently walks directly in front of the table and hops up onto the apron. He could have gotten into the ring a million other ways, yeah, but instead decided to stand directly where he could fall into this table. Gets hit. Gets punched into the table and falls very gracefully into a table. And there you go. That's your big holy shit. Imagine the holy shit chant breaking out for that. You actually did get ECW chants when this <laughs> table broke. Mongo then sells his back because he, when he gets back into the ring, he can't hit the spike pile driver, which Tanay pauses when he calls it the tombstone, but he had already said it before. He didn't want, don't want to remind people no. of the Undertaker. Can't, we can't do that. So Mongo's back is too hurt, which means that Goldberg will get a shitty-looking jackhammer on Mongo and win the match in 5.59. And it seemed like this match took 20 minutes. I made one note and one note only. This was not a five-star match. <laughs> yeah, Dave Meltzer was not impressed with this one. Yeah. This was bad. This was... Okay, when you have a guy who knows nothing... Too gr- green. You have a guy who knows nothing about wrestling, but is told, go out there, kick ass, take names, go go to the back two minutes later. Then you have a guy who knows nothing about wrestling, who's told, <laughs> just go out there and fill your way through a match in Mongo. Something tells me, if you put the two of them together, this is not going to end well. And also, just the way it was booked, who... Who the fuck? Who cares? said Goldberg get a table? Yeah, doesn't matter. Uh, well, That's, who cares that it's football versus football? Was that? I'm, that, either, I'm sure either, that was the only storyline. Either line. I'm missing there's yeah. Either I'm missing there's like a Super Bowl hint back behind this. No, they played it years apart. Okay, so this really was just hey, he played football, he played football. Let's put him in a match. Yeah, I guess there were no more ringside tickets to just sit him. Imagine this, just Goldberg sitting was, next to Disco Inferno. This was bad, man. Like I said, I would much rather have had, if you're going to do Savage, have him have Goldberg Savage. Because at least Savage would have got a good seven minutes out of him and well, lost. Mongo got six minutes out of him. But it was bad. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, what else? What other result could it have been? At least so. with Savage and Goldberg, you could watch the match. This, I fast forward through. After two minutes of it, because I was like, "This, I can't do this. Raven comes walking out, and Tony says, I think Nick Patrick tonight will be a great referee. Okay, thanks, Tony. <laughs> Raven goes and sits in the corner, and hey, this is a callback to last week's show, too. I'm not going to wrestle. Yeah. He gets on the uh, mic and says, no, not going to do it. Not, not going to wrestle. Happen. I'm going to have my boy Saturn do it for me. And... uh He's gonna, Saturn is going to finish off something that should have been finished a long time ago. Chris Benoit. Oh. That's Raven's words, not mine. Saturn's nuclear siren horn shit. I hate that. <laughs> that is next to the Right to Censors theme song. Yeah. This is the worst. This See, is not right a song. To, right to Censors was so annoying. It's intended. It got over. Like, you really hated them just because of that fucking music. And, yeah, no, you're right. Saturn strongly became the exact same way. Saturn is going to wrestle. He's in khakis, which are tucked into his wrestling boots. It looks so stupid. And he's got hair here. Very, a Just rare, little like, his little mullet. Yeah. Or not his mullet. He's got a uh, so mohawk. Is it a mohawk? It's more like, it's, it's like, like a, a rectangle. It's like a flat, <laughs> flat. Flat top. 
I wouldn't even call it a flat top. It's like a, yeah, it's like a hair on top shaved completely bald on the sides. It's some ugly shit. Some, it's a wrestler haircut. Just go with it. Benoit's out next, and we always bitch about scripted promos. This is why you don't script promos. He grabs the mic and he tells Raven, quote the crippler, no more. He doesn't look through any veil. He is who he is. He rests in reason, and he moves with passion, and he wants to inflict pain on Raven. But he stumbled through this this promo. This is bad. This is not something Chris Benoit would ever say. No. Let Chris Benoit, who can talk, talk. A little. Just let him talk a little. Don't don't make him go five minutes. This was like a paragraph yeah. that he had to read. The remember. Yeah. Anyway, he smashes Saturn with a clothesline. We get vicious chops in the corner. Saturn tries a sleeper, but Benoit counters with a jawbreaker. Benoit is moving at the speed of light at the start of this match. Then Saturn stops the onslaught with a vicious-looking hammerlock suplex. Then Kidman runs in and distracts Benoit long enough for the flock to get Benoit out of the ring. Then Kidman hits a seven-year itch off the ring apron onto Benoit on the ground. Which was awesome. Highly, but a wasted spot. Just a, a transitional... that. I, you, yeah, everyone knows. Uh, everyone understands why that's... It's awesome, but that's like indie wrestling shit. Just like awesome move just for the sake of doing it. No meaning. Yeah, there was no meaning behind it. Yeah. No, it's the whole flock versus Big Chris Benoit. This turned yeah. into a giant handicap match. Yeah. Raven, he just stands around and watches. Saturn hits a swinging neckbreaker on Benoit, then Saturn hits a springboard moonsault off the top rope. Off the top ring ropes. Like a, not off the turnbuckle, but off the ropes. A springboard moonsault for a two count on Benoit. I've never seen Saturn do that. Then Saturn hits a leg drop, covers, but Benoit's foot is on the ropes in this no DQ match, and that stops the count. Was it a no DQ match? Well, I mean, the ref saw it's Raven's rules, so. Oh, well, then, yeah. I guess Raven's rules, maybe rope breaks are allowed. Maybe I just didn't read Raven's rules correctly. I don't know. Saturn spent this match working on Benoit's. Head and neck. Oh, that would not fly today. He chokes Benoit over the middle rope. Benoit answers with a chop out of the corner, but then Saturn responds with a brain buster. Mortis and Alex Vite are in the crowd with Barry Darso and Bobby Eaton because Tony Schiavone says they bought tickets and they're so happy to be there. They booked flights to come watch this tonight. Shitty, shitty assignment then. So we're seeing we're seeing a man get get his ass kicked by like seven guys who could help him faces. And, and we stop we stop to look at some wrestlers in the crowd just sitting there. Yeah. Saturn hits a version of a Mishinoku driver and then climbs the top turnbuckle. Benoit cuts him off and shoves Saturn off onto the ring mats. He puts on the crossface outside, but Raven's flock decides again to intervene and beat the shit out of Chris Benoit. <laughs> Saturn tries a moonsault onto Benoit, but instead takes out the entire flock because Benoit ducks out of the way. They get back in the ring. Benoit hits a snap suplex and a diving headbutt. Then the flock is back in again. Benoit beats up all of them, but then Raven steps in and hits his even flow DDT. The rings of Saturn and Benoit is unconscious, so the match is over in 10 minutes and 50 seconds. Snuff film. Just a yeah, this watch was... this guy get his ass kicked by every flock member. You know, uh, this match made no sense on the fact of if you're acknowledging wrestlers around ringside, wouldn't they go help him? <laughs> or would you say no? 
Would you even acknowledge the fact, hey, maybe they're not going to go help him because he's such a dick. He doesn't. He he's pissed them all off. Yeah. Or don't don't acknowledge wrestlers around ringside and then just drop it. What I was saying the whole time is, where the fuck are the horsemen? Right. They, the announcers didn't even mention. You understand like, that Mongo just got his ass kicked, so Mongo can't. But you have Dean Malenko. Well, he wasn't a horseman yet. Dean wasn't. No, not yet. So you had Arn and Flair. Okay, so you had Arn. Where the hell was Ric Flair? Yeah, a big. That's what we we're coming up later. He we get or his replacement. There was a a natural build to a match that we didn't get. A payoff on. Oh, see, I didn't even know this. Yeah, that happens later. But yeah, the announcers don't even mention the horsemen. Yeah, there's face wrestlers in the crowd. Just yeah, just watch this guy get his ass beat by all these guys. We don't even get. Wow. Okay. The NWO jobber music hits, and that means it's time for Buff Bagwell. He says Lex Luger has a new name. Patrick, this is this is what you would say, I'm sure. Lex Luger. Guess what his new name is? What? Lex Loser. Lex Luger. <laughs> this is the battle of the Roid Monsters as Luger's guitar anthem hits, and here comes the world's oiliest. <laughs> yeah, here comes the world's oiliest man. <laughs> you realize that in '97 he held the he was the world champion at one point, yeah. and now here he is mid card Buff Bagwell. Yeah. at your WrestleMania, so he looks very disinterested in this match. He doesn't really walking to the ring. He doesn't act like he no. gives a shit. Usually, he does his little. He look. He's got a big smile on his he face. He's bit, just he did, ah! yeah. He did a little posing, but it was like I'm just gonna go in here and just get it out of the way. Yeah, get on with my day. Mike Tanay mentions that Bret Hart will be a special enforcer in the uh, Larry Zavisco Eric Bischoff match. So there should be no controversy in that match. None whatsoever. None. Luger spits in Bagwell's eyes. Oh, man. And he drops to the ground. He sells the spit, hitting him so hard, I guess, that it knocks him to the ground. And that's when you would punch Lex Luger in the face for spitting in your eyes. By the way, Luger's the face in this match, and he's spitting in the guy's eyes. Luger gets a body slam followed by a press slam on the buffster. Then he clotheslines, clotheslines him over the top rope. Bagwell goes on the entry ramp and says, Vincent! Vincent, I need your help. So now Virgil, a second appearance from Virgil. How lucky we are. He's, he's making bank tonight. Yeah, oh, he's getting two paydays. He's going to come out and help. He somehow beats the 10 count back into the ring. Time out. A man just took a top rope DDT. Oh, right. Two matches ago. <laughs> and is now well enough to come out and help during a full-blown match. He's fine. Just saying. School of selling. Patrick's school of selling, everybody. Oh, yeah. Because nothing says like... Yeah, and here's the thing, man. Yeah, we're on that. I, I, I trained a guy. Unfortunately, at this show, he had to go. He had to leave early, so he did his thing, and he, he had to go. And uh, he had, the way in and out was through the, through the crowd. And uh, so he came, got his ass kicked and uh, as a ref, and uh, he had a problem, so he had to leave early. My whole thing of it is, is if you just got your ass kicked and I had to go out there and drag you to the back, 
You're not coming back. You're not coming back. And you're damn sure not going to change clothes and then three or four minutes later walk right in front of the the crowd to your vehicle and drive off. Oh, that's funny. That is funny. Needless to say, the next time I saw this kid, I beat the living shit out of him verbally in the locker room and told him that he needed to understand what tradition and what, what his place was. And respect that, and uh, and I believe he quit ref- refereeing after that. <laughs> I don't think he's in the business anymore. But that, hey, yeah, perfect example. Even what I'm getting at, I told that story to tell this story. It happens all the way at the top in WCW. It happens all the way down to the to the Indies. If you're wanting to make it, you got to learn ring psychology. If you don't know ring psychology, if you don't know wrestling psychology, you're wasting your time and you're wasting everybody else's. Because that is your number one thing to learn when you get into this. So now that Buff has Vincent's help, Vincent will choke Luger behind the ref's back when the ref's not looking. So thanks, Vincent. Bagwell attacks Luger's back. We get a running lariat from Luger that stops Buff for a moment. We go to Booker T in the crowd. He says he does the Funaki bit here. He says... WCW number one. WCW number one. We get rest holds. Oh, Buff loves his rest holds here. (laughs) The crowd gets distracted. I think there's a fight going on in the crowd. So now Buff holds Luger while they can both sneak a peek at what's going on in the crowd. So more rest holds. Luger hulks up but gets cut off by Bagwell's knee. Then Bagwell locks in another sleeper. He piggybacks Luger and Luger eventually drops to a knee with the sleeper still locked in. Luger hulks up again and used closed fists on Bagwell. That should have been a DQ. We get a back body drop, followed by four or five clotheslines, then an inverted atomic drop on Bagwell, then the bionic forearm, and Luger calls for the rack, and the crowd goes nuts at the thought of the rack. A vertical suplex on Buff Bagwell, then Luger throws Vincent into Buff and clotheslines him out of the ring, so he's out of the way. Then Bagwell... Knocks Luger into Billy Silverman. He calls for the rack again. But then Macho Man runs in. And Luger press slams him and then racks Macho Man. Macho Man gets racked instead of buff here. Then Scott Norton has Rick Steiner's dog collar for some reason. Uh Uh-oh. Rick Steiner might have defected. And hits Luger. He's wrapped around his fist. Yeah, like a like, like I mean, brass knucks. It's almost I, I I would say instead of a dog collar, it was like a belt, really true weight belt. Yeah, it, it was wrapped around his fist though, and he nailed the hell out of him. So yeah, Scott Norton nails Lex Luger, and then wakes up the referee, and Buff Bagwell goes over in sixteen thirty six. Which is probably why Lex Luger did not look too thrilled walking out to the ring <laughs> for this match. Now. This match was shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. This was terrible. This was bad. But what do you expect? You yeah. get one guy that really can't wrestle that well, and you send him in there with a guy that's probably nervous because he's going to get a win on the biggest pay-per-view ever. Yeah. And then you get all the fucking NWO bullshit like you do every match. Yeah. Disaster. And oh, by the way, yeah, Booker T, all the faces in the in the crowd... Nobody just watch him. Yeah, yeah, they're real team players, huh? Yeah, this this is this WCW, you know, fend for yourself kind of deal. 
<laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of unity. That's w- the one thing the NWO always had. They were united, where yeah. WCW was just like, I'll just watch you get killed. I don't care. Yeah. I'm not getting my hands dirty. Kurt Henning is out next. He's the U.S. title holder. Uh-oh, the champion's out first. Not a good sign for Mr. Hennig. He's not the U.S. title holder. Yes, no, he's right. DDP stole the title, but then had to uh, had to give it back to him. You're right. The crowd chants for DDP. They're excited to see DDP. Now, Ric Flair was originally scheduled for this match. It was going to be a cage match between Hennig and Ric Flair to settle the rejection of the spot in the Four Horsemen that was never... When they crushed Flair's uh, head in the cage. Yes, this was going to be the blow-off. Okay. But for I think this is when Ric Flair and Bischoff started having their fights, and so Mr. Flair got pulled. This was before he actually no-showed that thunder and got sent home, but... Now, I love DDP, and this match was fine for what it was. This was match of the night in my opinion. But I would have rather had Flair here. Oh, I would have rather had Flair also. But like I said, you now know what my match of the night was. It's this match right here. Well, it's because you love DDP. Oh. I love Kurt Henning. Kurt Henning can wrestle anybody and make it an awesome match. DDP whips Henning into the ropes and hits a nice headlock slam move that I, I haven't seen him use before or since. Then Kurt Henning attacks DDP's taped ribs. This is when DDP had taped ribs for like three years. That's because Savage kept beating the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, he hated his ribs for some reason. He throws DDP out of the ring, and then DDP's foot nails the camera on the way out. Ouch. Henning walks on DDP's back. He's going to attack the back. Psychology for attacking DDP's back, just because it's injured, I guess. But yes makes the fisherman suplex that much more deadly i guess tony reminds us that ddp can put the diamond cutter on from anywhere anywhere Anytime. a diamond cutter out of nowhere basically which is why randy orton is so well known with it today we go to the crowd again and poor mortis has to wear that stupid mask all night long we get actually we i patrick i dare say i heard some boring chants as henning works a headlock for an eternity this was my only problem with the match, was the... This headlock? Lots of headlocks here. Yeah. DDP uses a jawbreaker to get out of it. Then DDP punches Henning out of the ring and then lunges over the top ropes and he hits a slingshot crossbody. Surprised that DDP takes a high risk here. They fight into the crowd for a second and somehow still beat the 10 count to get back into the ring. Pretty impressive. DDP pulls Kurt Henning into the ring post and gives him ring postitis, as Big E would call it. (laughs) Then DDP tries a diamond cutter, but Henning holds the ropes. A simple counter for the diamond. Just grab the ropes. Blocked. He was too close to him. Henning tries the perfect plex, but Paige face plants him instead. Both men are so worn out from this grueling match, Patrick, that when they stand up, they both just fall down like they're playing 2K17 and their stanima bar is drained and they both crash to the ground. When they get back up, DDP hits a float over diamond cutter. Like he was doing the old uh, rocks float, float over, over DDT, DDT, but instead yeah. it's a float over diamond cutter. Boom, bang. 
It's over. 10:52. New U.S. champ Dusty incorrectly says that it's DDP's first major title. That's not true. He was a TV champ, but good try, Dusty. Then, then DDP, like a true criminal, takes his U.S. title and leaves through the crowd. Yeah, he's not sticking around to and watch even the pose for the self high five. He drops the belt on the stairs out in the crowd. To stick his hands up and pop. Oh, that's funny. And bends back over and picks it up. Now, who in the hell did not grab that and run off with it? I don't know, but... Go to WCWWrestling.com and check out Eddie Guerrero with Mark Madden, which in 1997, I guarantee you, there's no way you could have listened to whatever they were saying back there. <laughs> Bret Hart is out, and they dubbed over his theme. Yeah. I don't... But it's not... It's, it's not even his shitty WCW theme. It was... Like funk music or something they used, and I say, why? If you're gonna dub it over, just use your WWF theme yeah. for Bret Hart. It's the best sounding one out of the bunch, anyway. Then here we go, Eric Bischoff's awesome WCW thing. I'm not bullshitting. I love Eric Bischoff. Dun dun dun. Boom chicka chicka boom chicka chicka. <laughs> I loved Eric Bischoff's WCW theme song. Oh really? I loved it. It was way better than. I'm back. I don't like that. <laughs> and I'm better than ever. I don't like that. <laughs> I can't sing. Uh, but anyway, Hall comes out with him. You have and, Hall come out with him, and, and so Easy E Hall after getting power bombed yeah. and helped to the back. He's fine now. At least though, that was six matches ago. <laughs> right? Okay, that's okay. been an hour and a half to two hours ago. This isn't Virgil within 25 minutes later after a spike DDT from the top rope. I'm walking out there like nothing's wrong. Let's just clarify that. So, Eric, However, storyline behind this is is NWO wants to run Nitro. Yes. Winner of this match gets Nitro. Yes. It's that simple. NWO Nitro if Eric Bischoff wins. WCW Nitro if Larry Zabisco wins. Then we have the living legend, Larry Zabisco, come out. To the Nitro song. To the Nitro theme. I say his jacket is beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful wrestling jackets. His jacket was badass. It really was. Gold, gold and bedazzling, and yeah. the Z. Then on the back it had legend across it. It was, it was, it was. Yeah. Great. Yeah. There's a sign in the crowd that says, Bischoff fears Larry Land, which I believe Larry Land is on the way to Suplex City. You stop in Larry Land for a minute. Dusty says Bischoff is on unchartered waters. No, that's not the, the saying, Dusty. It's un. It's not uncharted waters. It's un. Uncharted waters, not uncharted waters. Yeah. It's not renting a boat anyway. Bischoff's got his karate gloves on and shoe covers. His karate gear. Did you see in that Bischoff DVD where he was actually like a professional karate fighter at one he point? He is. He's a black belt in in karate. Very quickly, I just. Very quickly, I wanted to touch on this. Forget the weight difference. In a shoot fight, Bischoff versus Vince McMahon, who's winning? Oh, Vince is kicking his ass. I think Bischoff would beat him. No, Vince would kick his ass. But Vince doesn't have any formal... It doesn't matter. Vince would beat his ass every way. No weapons. Just one-on-one. Fist-to-fist, hand-to-hand. I think you're wrong. Vince would beat his ass. I think Bischoff would kick his ass. No, man. Vince (sighs) would... It's a damn shame. That is... I really wanted... When when Bischoff was calling him him out... To slam Yes. Damn it, I want that. Because... 
And of course, it was the same weekend Stephanie McMahon was graduating college. It's not just that. He wouldn't show up on WCW's programming and help I them out. I doubt that shit. Because if he, at that point in time, I really think if he had his hands around, if he had a chance to get his hands around Bitch Hall's That's bullshit. He no, might have took wouldn't. it. No, not a chance. Here we go. I say Larry is in great shape here. Bret Hart, he didn't even bother wearing a ref shirt for this match, Patrick. As a referee, that's the one. He didn't even include a blue shirt with a bow tie. He's Bret the Hitman Hart. Who gives a shit? He's just a black shirt and jeans. Great. Bischoff lands a kick on Zabisco, and that sets Zabisco off, and he rubs Bischoff's head on the mat by his hair, which Bret Hart breaks up. Uh Uh-oh, we have a heel ref here. Zabisco then puts Bischoff's head into a leg lock, but Hart breaks it up again. He's not going to let the good guy win. It was around his throat, and it, and it was choking him. In his defense. Zabisco applies the standing figure four, but Bischoff makes it to the ropes. Then Zabisco throws Bischoff into the steps. Hart jaws with Larry in the ring. He's just They're just arguing the whole time. Hart protects Bischoff from closed fists, which, which allow Eazy-E to hit a head kick, and then tee off on Zabisco. He gets some offense in. The fans start chanting for Larry, Larry. Then Z rope-a-dopes Eric because he lets Eric gas out, beating him in the corner, and then hits a vertical suplex, a swinging neckbreaker. Hall loads Bischoff's shoe cover with a small metal plate. It was a flask, actually. Then Eric kicks Larry in the head, and the metal piece goes flying off. Yeah, that, 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 that alcoholic flask flew out of his cover or whatever before it even connected with his head and flew into the fans so yeah bischoff celebrates kicking him with this foreign object and he wants to celebrate with bret hart but then bret hart turns face and decks him and decks hall and then the crowd goes nuts when bret hart locks scott hall in the sharpshooter and then larry chokes bischoff with a leather strap bret hart then raises larry's hand for what reason? He just, Larry won. He just decided. Larry yeah. won. He's he, the ref. He can do what he wants. He didn't even pin Bischoff. No. He's the ref. He can do what he Bischoff wants. Bischoff couldn't even take a clean loss here. <laughs> That's true. 11 minutes, 12 seconds. Then we get Michael Buffer coming out doing his thing. Oh, well, what'd you think of the match quickly? Uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was all right. I, I wouldn't put this on a pay-per-view. This is a TV match, really. I, I think it was good for what it was. Yeah. It was a gimmick match. Plain and simple. Michael Buffer does his thing. Are you ready? Hogan then comes out playing guitar again to his dubbed over Voodoo Child. It's it's the NWO theme dubbed over Voodoo Child, so it murders his entrance here because he's talking to the camera saying stuff about beating Sting, but we can't hear it because they've got this wrong music in. Also, he plays guitar. It's not just a few strums. He plays guitar all the way to the ring. It's very bad. (laughs) Hogan, he's the champ, and he's out first, Patrick. Uh-oh. Bad sign for him. But then I notice this is a very a small detail. When Hogan gets into the ring, he immediately says something to Nick Patrick. I think Hogan just changed the finish of this match is what he, he did just too. did. And then Hogan looks up to the sky because, I mean, this is WCW's WrestleMania. Sting must have a grand entrance. This guy's come from helicopters. He's come from the rafters. He's come from out of the ring before. Where, oh where, this is going to be a grand entrance for Sting. Where could he be coming from? So then Sting's, you know, orchestra music hits and you go to the sky and a laser image of 
Sting appears and it reads the story in a child's voice of Sting that he's the defender of good and all and he's come back to defeat evil once and for all. And then where's Sting going to come from? Uh, he just walks out of the back like a normal wrestler. Yeah. Like he was back there all... The NWO probably passed by his locker room several times throughout the night and just yeah. uh, just let it go. So Sting <laughs> walks out. He's got his baseball bat and he's got a big trench coat on. And they do a great effect where they dissolve Hogan in the ring and Sting walking to the ring so it makes it look like Sting is in Hogan's head already. Like, yeah. That's a really great thing that it they... It was great camera work. They've never... Yeah. They've never... Like, little things like that. No one ever does that kind of stuff anymore, but... And so then Sting enters the ring and stares into the soul of Hulk Hogan. Nick Patrick is talking to both wrestlers. I mean, going over the rules. This is a big fight, so go over the rules. Probably changing the finish again. Yeah. Telling Sting that this is going to be fucked up. (laughs) Sting is going to wrestle in a padded bodysuit with a scorpion on it, which tells me that in 18 months, Sting is still not in ring-ready shape. Because why is he wrestling in this bodysuit? I liked it. It was different. It was different, but it just it to- it told me that. Oh no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm he sure looked probably, very skinny too. Yeah, he looked like he was. Deflated. His arms looked jacked, but that was pretty much it. This blood feud that's been building for 18 months, Patrick. Do you want to know how they started it? With a collar lockup. With a whatever. Collar elbow, uh, collar elbow tie up? Yeah. That's how this blood heated intense feud. Lock up. So disappointing. <laughs> anyway, Hogan muscles Sting into a corner. Sting hits him. Hogan gets in shock because, oh, I can't believe he hit me. And he walks around the ring avoiding Sting. Hogan says, come on, hero, and throws some strikes at Sting. Then Hogan body slams him. And then misses some elbows. Hogan never seems to ever hit these elbows that he tries. Sting drop kicks Hogan out of the ring. Hogan walks around the ring for a minute, wondering what to do. He eventually gets back in. Hogan hits a vertical suplex on Sting that Sting no-sells. He stands up. He cannot be defeated tonight. And then he crotch chops at Hogan. He does the DX thing to Hogan for a bit. They brawl on the outside, and Hogan shows Sting a Hollywood Hogan t-shirt. Yeah, I got a t-shirt. Yep. Sting whips Hogan into the guardrail and misses a stinger splash into it. He nearly went into the crowd himself. Nick Patrick isn't even in the ring counting a 10 count on these guys outside. He's wanting to make sure there's a winner. Yes. So then Hogan crotches Sting on the guardrail. Nick Patrick finally makes Hogan break the count. They get back into the ring. Hogan hits a reverse atomic drop on Sting. And then Hogan chokes him with his boot. Then it's already time for the finish, Patrick, turns out. Or so you think. The big leg. No, no double punches, no whip to the ropes, no big boot. Just a big leg. A big leg drop. Hogan covers. One, two, three. Three. Match is over. Good job. <laughs> Good job. You just put us out of business. But Brett, who was must have sped out there when no one was looking, yeah, holds, is at ringside. Holds the uh, the hammer for the timekeeper. That's right. So the bell didn't ring. So the match officially isn't over. Hart says it was a fast count, and it, he saw it happen. You know, that was a straight clean three as three could be, dude. That was especially for a Nick Patrick who usually a has Nick a Patrick really count, slow. That was a that was a yeah. 
I can't believe I can't believe what happened. I mean, I can now because it's been almost twenty years. But this was bad. Oh boy. So then, yeah, Bret Hart makes a big scene because he got screwed a month before in Montreal. Which, oh, by the way, Bret Hart, why would we have him wrestle? Just have him ref some matches. The, big, yeah. the biggest star on the planet right now in pro wrestling. Eh, just have him be a guest enforcer. Yeah. So Bret Hart says to Nick Patrick that it was a fast count. Nick Patrick rightly says, no, it wasn't. <laughs> but then Hart punches him in the face. And he rolls Hogan back into the ring. And calls for the bell to restart the match. The bell never rang, so the bell, the match the bell did, didn't ring again. The match yeah. isn't over. So we get a huge stinger splash. Then Bagwell and Norton come out, and Sting beats them up. The camera catches them actually just walking away after they got beat up by Sting. Like they get, they take a couple punches, they roll out, and then they walk to the back. Yep, naturally. Then Sting puts Hogan. I'm gonna say he puts him in the sharpshooter since Bret Hart's right there, and it's very weird that. He's doing this guy's finisher right in front of him. Yeah. Hart calls for the bell in 12.53. And Hogan never tapped, by the way. (laughs) Specify that. Yeah. And then there you go. The crowd actually still went wild for this finish. Luger comes in and catches Sting, who jumps into his arms. And Giant, oh, by the way, who used to be in the NWO, he's out there to celebrate the WCW guys. All the people that bought tickets, all the WCW wrestlers run in. Rah, rah, rah. We won the day. We did it. Big hero celebration. Sting says something in Spanish to the camera. He says something about Mamacita. I don't know. Yeah. And you know what was bad about this? is This is the first time Sting had spoken in 18 months, and it was in Spanish and <laughs> a throwaway line. Tony points it out, too. He doesn't just let it go. Like, don't even acknowledge it, Tony. But Tony's like, that's the first time we've heard from Sting. And it was Spanish. <laughs> and into the camera, not in an interview or anything. So here's how the pay-per-view ends. Tony says, the NWO can bite us. And then roll the credits, we're out. Roll them, we're gone. What do you think of the match? Terrible. Awful. I agree. The Goldberg-Hogan match was better. I agree. Not that a Hogan match, you know, in the ring, it's hard to make it good. At this point in time, Hogan, had they just had Sting win clean. That's all that needed to happen. That's all. But Hogan was too egotistical in himself to freaking do it. Lay down. For Sting, his good buddy, you know. Oh, brother. Who helped him out when when Hogan first got to the company, Sting could have been a dick and said, I'm not laying down for Hogan. I'm not going to help out Hogan. I'm the star here. Yeah. This was Sting's house. Yeah. He's the franchise. You're walking into my my building, my, my show. And I'm welcoming you in with open arms. Listen, asshole, you can lay down for me for a three count. Yeah, or in your first match, yeah, you go out there and beat Flair. Yeah. You go out and do whatever. I'll be on your team in war games. I'll be this and I'll be that. And yeah, yeah. Sting, I got your back. Yeah. Hogan can't even Yeah, no, you're return right. the favor. Just a little bit. Fuck. Now, if I had bought this, I would have been so disappointed. I, st- I would have been satisfied because Sting won the belt. Yeah. But I would have been so confused at the ending. Yeah. Basically, they make you feel sorry for Hogan because Hogan got screwed here. Brett screwed Hogan. And this should lead to a Brett Hogan match that never happened. No. I don't think you ever saw Brett and Hogan. They wrestled one time on Nitro and it the NWO ran out and it was just nothing. But there you have it. Starcade ninety seven. Yeah. They had all the momentum. The WWF was on the ropes. 
This was their moment to put them away. This could. This was it. This could have been the final blow. Had they went clean, had they really, they could have knocked WWE out for good, or at least slowed the momentum. And they screwed up by doing this bullshit finish, and once again allowed WWE to come back. It's again. in his contract, though. So it's like you can't That's you can't get mad at you can't get mad at Hogan because if it's in your contract, if I have the if I have the right to do it, then. Yeah. So the blame is really with the company, yeah. and just oh, and just all the other things wrong with it. Not ha- Kevin Nash no showing it, the wrestlers in the crowd, no horse like no Flair, no Anderson. What's your thoughts? I mean, Anderson was retired out of the ring at this point. Yeah. What's your thoughts on this pay per view? This is a tough one. This is a tough one to uh, put on the old uh, rating scale there because this uh, horn swoggle to Giant Gonzalez. This pay-per-view. Well, as a wrestling fan, you have to watch it. It's a must-watch. Oh, it's a must-watch, yeah. Because it's the biggest paper. It's the biggest WCW paper. We watched X7. That's the WWF's biggest pay-per-view of all time. Yeah. And so you have to watch this just because of the significance of it. As far as the matches, there were some big stinkers on this thing. Yeah. There were some big stinkers. You can skip... You can skip Bagwell Luger entirely. You can skip the uh, Dean Eddie, uh, Eddie Guerrero. Yep, nothing to see there. Goldberg Mongo. Yep. So watch the six-man tag, which had no reason to exist, but turned out to be so good. You can skip Saturn Benoit. Yep, they, unless you just like seeing a guy get his ass kicked by an entire... So basically, six-man tag, DDP Henning, Brett Eric. Uh, Brett as guest with Eric and Larry, and then the main event. Four, four out of four out of eight. Four out of eight is actually worth watching. Yes, so I give it a Stone Cold Steve Austin, a six wow. six foot two. <laughs> so, ah, let's see. I am going to award this one a. Taz. A Taz. A five foot one inch. Something. Yeah. Damn. Yes. He's small, but he can, uh, at times, he can be, when he applies himself, he can be really good. But the, uh, but when he doesn't apply himself, he can be shit. And that's what WCW was. When they really, really, I say you really worked when they really had to work at it. No, when they just did the logical things they needed to do, they were fine. Yeah. But they just couldn't... Too many egos, man. They just couldn't let themselves get out of their own way, basically. Too many egos. All right. This was my pick. Where are you taking us? In honor of the new president, we will review WrestleMania 23, the Battle of the Billionaires, which actually didn't involve the billionaires battling at each other at all, but no. two wrestlers in their place. So, in honor of WWE Hall of Famer's historic win, we will review his most historic moment in the WWE at WrestleMania 23. Because yeah. whether I mean, whether you like it or you not, it happened. It happened. Our, our <laughs> president 
is is in a hair versus hair match. In a hair wrestle- versus hair match at WrestleMania 23. Holy shit! <laughs> Our president is a. Imagine George Washington. Like if we look back at the history books, like <laughs> oh yes, he chopped down his cherry tree and then he he took out his wooden teeth and, and then he wrestled versus- in a hair versus hair match against a wig versus wig match. Very good. Yes, yeah. a wooden teeth match. There you go. I so. WrestleMania 23, which by the way, I I did watch. I probably watched it with you. I think I we remember. did watch it together. It might have been actually before we met. I'm I doubt sure. that. I don't know. We watched. Well, I think we started. What year? 2007. Was? So. No. Yeah, we, we watched it together. So there you have it. This might have been the first WrestleMania we watched together. Wow, so it's even historic for for, for us, us, for our for relationship. Our friendship, yeah. Well, there you go, Patrick. That is your assi- That's your homework for this week. So until right. next week in Survivor Series 2016, I'm intern Alex. I am the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my closing line's a clothesline. Bingo, bango. This, this is Starcade. 97, once again for the world title, but this time against Hulk. So this was after, you know, 18 months or so, no talking, no interviews. It was just pure storyline that got us here. You have to go back to the end of the summer of 1996 to remember the last time this man walked to the ring. Yeah, there were, there were nerves that day. I was worried that I would have a little bit of rust, but not that worried. I still felt confident enough, you know, physically and all that to, to be able to go, you know, with Hulk. I, I thought, I, I can hang, I can hang, I can do this with Hulk, you know. I trust him, you know, he trusts me. Look at that drop kick! So high up! Cut him again! Sends him out! Sting sends him down with a variety of drop kicks! This was just, I don't know really what happened that day. I don't, I'm not sure to this day. No. When he showed up that, that day and we started talking about what we were going to do and, and laying things out for the evening, Steve was very, he was very quiet. He didn't really engage. Uh, and I'm not sure why, I've never really asked him about it. Yeah, there were there were nerves that day. A lot of a lot of politics going on that day too, so that made it even worse, you know. Literally, as all this is going on, there there's still some level of you know confusion in the back as to you know what we're gonna do. How are we gonna end this match? We went into it believing one thing, and then suddenly there was trouble. Big leg drop. I think Hulk was a little concerned that he was about ready to make a big move with a guy that wasn't as committed to where we were going as Hulk was to where we had just been for the last year plus. I'll tell you what. Nick Patrick made the three count, and Bret Hart certainly doesn't seem to agree. No, he doesn't. He's got Hogan. 
Yeah, we had some conversation, but it was mainly, you know, Hulk was behind the words with Eric most of the time. The Hulk Sting match, once we finally got to the ring after agonizing throughout the afternoon and what the finish and the outcome was going to be, Hulk didn't really want to commit. I think Sting was disappointed in that. Hulk was disappointed and couldn't understand why Sting didn't see it. I was stuck in the middle of those two and we had to make the call we made. Here it comes! Sting! It's gonna bring back the Scorpion Deathlock! Pointing at Bret Hart! Trying to get him over, can he get him dirt? Bret Hart down! Hart's right in the Ladies and gentlemen, Sting! pay-per-view, the best buy rate in the history of the company, just to, you know, hear the crowd react. So much emotion! Sting, World's Heavyweight Champion. I'll tell you what, it's breathtaking in here, guys. Big, big build-up, and the thing that I worried about was that it wasn't going to follow the build-up. And it, it, was, it was right on the borderline of, of doing that, you know? But it's wrestling history now. It's all good. <laughs>